Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Uh, boys, we are uh, we are back in studio. It seems like we just did this, you know. And it seems like the last time we did it, I was really glum. Is that true? Uh, glum was the word that was used by many of our followers on Twitter. They said you you gave them a case of the Mondays. Oh, great. Well, you know, being that it is my job to make them happy, um, I, I will try my best. I'll do I'll do my darndest uh, this morning to uh, the unhappy rant to make them happy, Big R, because you know it all depends on me and Christ, obviously, and Tim Keller, which we'll get to. But um, but they depend yes. on us to make them happy, or at least make them snarky, which in my mind are real similar things. But uh, yeah, Does, they, doesn't the Bible uh, say, "So far as it depends on me, try your best to make everyone happy"? I mean, yeah, I, that's absolutely. Kind of how so, I've lived my life up to this point. So uh, be careful. We're getting we're getting a little Michael Gunger with that passage. <laughs> So much as it, yes, yeah, so much as it depends Easy. on us and what we base our hope in, uh, listen to podcasts for all of your happiness. And Michael Gungor, who's, who's been described as, quote, the male Rachel Held Evans. That was, yeah, that was a listener quote, which was a, uh, I think that was a strong comparison. I what do you, it, I think it was Big great. Key, what do you think of when you hear somebody say, now, when you hear somebody described as the male Rachel Held Evans? You're trying to goad me into a joke that I made. I, I am trying to, I'm not trying to goad you into it. That was just an open door. That was like, hey. Here's the pathway to gold. Oh, Do you at, want to enter? Look at Ted and his discernment. Not uh, you know. Not. Look at me and my discernment. I made a very funny joke off the air in reference to that, which I'm not going to make on the air because of how mature and discerning I am. That's right. Oh, I so. forgot that. I forgot that's the podcast. That this Here's the thing about us. <laughs> we are nothing if not discerning and mature, Ronnie. I feel like our audience is really smart. I feel like we have a really smart group of people, and they can probably like leap to the conclusion that, uh, that that I made off the air, and they could probably make the joke themselves, you know? We're just leading them to it. That's right. That we'll just, right. We, we, will, we will walk them to the door, but they must walk through it. You know, wow. so, so as long as we're on this Gungor kid, let's let's do a couple minutes on this. Um, uh, oh, what's the deal with this guy? This guy says uh, he, he wants praise music that's not about, like, uh, Jesus or the cross or sin or... Well, it's, uh, it's any- specifically the blood of Christ and anything pertaining to uh, uh, penal substitutionary atonement. And that's a phrase that he used in his own Twitter feed, not uh, not me trying to, you know, be the 30-year-old white Calvinist theology guy. Who's this guy? Why do we care about this guy? What has what this guy ever done? Well, I'm going to go ahead and guess you don't care about no, this guy. No, I don't. Guy, I, but- <laughs> I, I, I know nothing about this guy. Um, but why do people care about him? Uh, he was a really popular musician. He might still be amongst Christian artists, uh, a few years ago. And he was sort of one of those, uh, one of those authentic Christian artists, not the happy clappy praise guys. And so people resonated with him. And then he sort of took a theological hard turn, uh, away from what we might consider quote unquote orthodoxy. And, uh, and so now he is – people who formerly loved him now hate him and Calvinists love to rip him. But recently he caused a stir on Twitter because he basically said, why do we always sing about the blood sacrifice of Jesus? If we don't have anything else to sing about, what are we even doing here? Uh-huh. Um, which on its surface – Which you can imagine made a lot of people yeah. really, really happy. Yeah, I mean – Now, is, is, is business booming for this guy? Because I feel like whoever we rip – like their their sales just go through the roof. To, to clarify, you don't mean we the podcast. You mean we the reformed world. No, we we yeah we the reform the kind of reformanati man. Yeah, well, um, I'm I'm sure that uh, that the uh, yeah the the reformed uh, the reformed posse has done great things for for this guy's core audience because you know that they rose up to defend him with 
picks and shovels and, and pitchforks and torches. So that was probably in his labels marketing plan. I'm guessing that was like, <laughs> it was in a PowerPoint in a, uh, around a conference table. Like we're going to make, we're going to make the Calvinists mad. And then, you know, sales. Yeah, Cause we got to boost sales. Like, yeah. Here's my question, man. I, I mean, is this guy, I mean, I don't know much about Gunger and is that how you pronounce his name? Number one. And number two, um, sounds like a, he, that sounds like a Lord of the Rings character to me. It does. It, it is a Lord of the Rings character, but is he still really a, is he still really, or or is he sort of is he just so like fully out of our tribe? I just don't really understand like where his popularity is at. And number, th- this is a this is, and like what was it like? What are some of his songs that we used to sing or we're still singing and we're trying to act like well it's okay we sing that because the, that those those songs were great. I mean what what did he sing? Like what would any of our audience even know from him, including us? Uh, I mean I think he I don't I don't know I never listened to him I I mean. So, uh, my apologies to to all of your friends in the music industry, Ronnie, but I really don't listen to any Christian music. So uh, I I know him. I don't know why you just apologize to the, my friend. You you guys are my friends. I'm with us. That's right. um, yes. So just you, you can just just have yeah hashtag just just have to qualify that. No, I'm just like I never. I don't know if I've ever heard this dude. Okay, well, he, I mean he he was. Um, I mean, he was part of like passion and some different things, and so he at one point was sort of okay, associated okay. with like Crowder and some of that. So he did he did yeah. some sort of different renditions of worship music, and I know he wrote his own stuff. And I I don't I don't know his music at all. I just know the the reputation he had because he was the guy who, when you said I'm tired of worship music, people would be like, "But have you heard? Have you heard this dude? You yeah. know, he was that guy." Yeah. And uh, the answer to that the, question was, is still no. I haven't heard uh, him. He but. was kind of the artistic like indie rock worship guy he was kind of the guy that was on the cusp of all of that is what i felt like and this was obviously a few years ago it was the same thing for me i i mean i cannot tell you even five to ten years ago how like almost daily people would ask me dude you must be into like gunger and i'm like who you know again it was like wait a minute are we talking like the hobbit trilogy yeah, or do you I, want me to go back to lord is, of the rings i'm not sure which is this one like a new about. dungeons and dragons game like what am i supposed to be into here i'm so confused yeah i never got i never got it because i typically don't listen to uh, a lot of uh, praise and worship uh, of that ilk if i can use the word ilk on the air is that cool big t are we are we good with that word or is that going to be too offensive maybe it's your program you can i think use i think ilk is good it's it's not uh, it's 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 not too stereotypey <laughs> Thank you. Boys, I feel so about, affirmed now. <laughs> baby, let's talk about something better than, than this Gungor situation. And uh, it's another situation that we have uh, brewing, as it were, as a company. Ooh, um, I see what you see what you did there. I was boys, we are we are a business. We are a business interest. We are we are in the business of making deals. And we have made a deal with a coffee roaster. Um, a coffee roaster who is not uh, originally from America, uh, which makes him very exotic. And um, he has... And politically created, correct or incorrect, depending on which side of the fence you fall on. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it, it makes him perfect is what I'm saying. That's right. And, uh, and what he has is a, a special blend, a special blend of coffee that he's created for this program, this very program uh, that we are going to begin selling. It's called the Happy Rant Signature Blend. Um, and we're going to be- begin selling this through the show page, I believe. So we're just ironing out uh, the last few kind of uh, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, as it were, on uh, on this deal. And uh, I'm very excited. I think we've I- I've sent you guys some pictures of the beans. So I had a 
I had a tasting with this gentleman the other day, and uh, let me just say this: this guy is he's all in on coffee. He's committed to coffee. The whole family, um, you know, they're very much about the the aesthetics, the the aroma, just the the whole world that is coffee roasting. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to share this with uh, with you guys and with our listeners. And Remember last week when I was all glum and when I ruined everyone's week um, and everyone, you know, of course, depends on me to, to remain happy. But um, I can honestly yeah, say we're, I'm, I'm enjoying this coffee, boys. Oh, it's it's uh, it is it is the better stuff. We Ted found, Ted found only a better thing to, to talk about. Only this is great. Stuff. Boys, can I, yeah, can I talk about Trogs' podcast just for a time, just for a second? <laughs> yes, because he, say he, one thing he needs about more it. marketing from us. What's funny about this thing, man, is that uh, – so he's had literally every evangelical who's ever like written one word, everybody who's ever 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 published like one thing uh, in in the reform space, he's already had on the program, right? So he's exhausted like all twelve of those guys, <laughs> and this guy, this freaking guy, he'll he'll text me trying to like harvest my Rolodex for people, but he's yet to invite me on the program. Isn't that funny? Wow, How do you would, it would now be a bad time to say that I was on the podcast, but the, he just hasn't released it yet. No, no, that, like everybody, dude, yeah. pipe. I know literally everyone I know, everyone I'm friends with has been on the podcast. Everybody. Maybe I've not been on the I have not been on the podcast. He you know, so he's done this. He said, "Hey, Ronnie." He said, "Someday I want to have you on." Oh, you got that, that's someday. what I've gotten. That's what I've got. I've gotten a someday. Yeah. Maybe that actually does make me feel better because I, I was I was convinced that everybody who had written like you know, a sentence for publication who's even remotely reformed had already been on the podcast. I mean, Big T, it might have been you should probably come on someday. Like, it might even be less than a someday. So don't worry about it. We're, yeah, we're that's, together. that's like a don't yeah. call me, I'll call you kind of thing. It's, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I work in marketing, and so when people try to sell me stuff, that's essentially the phrase I use. It's more like I'll let you know if what yeah. you do ever fits what, what we do. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's which, is, you which is basically got, a really right? elegant way of saying – you know, we will never do business together. That's right. Go ever. away. Well, Pipe, is there some significance to the fact that you recorded with uh, Trogues a, a while back and it still hasn't been released? I mean, I, I can't imagine that the uh, the release schedule is too, uh, too stacked right now. I'm going to go uh-huh. ahead and guess that it is because – well, there's there's two things. One, I think – I strategically he might be trying to release it after my book release to do me a favor um oh wow uh but but i think it also in looking at the names he's released he's like going in descending order of fame and so i'm <laughs> i'm further down the list than like <laughs> paul trip and uh triple e who is his most recent recent release so uh oh you have to kind of wow. yeah you have to kind of get through the uh the a-listers before you get to whatever what did we decide we are c plus d like i don't remember what i, I mean are. you you just you just put whatever categorization you want on your listing the it's not okay. a-listers let's just go with that so yeah. um yeah he cool, cool people first then barnabas piper well, I mean, hold on, cool, cool. you know, a list. He eventually he has to get to like at Jared C. Wilson and and like Thorny. You oh, know? I guarantee I mean, that, you, both those gentlemen have been on, or they've recorded. <laughs> sure. I don't I'm know sure. if Thorn has, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, he's connected with Jared C. Oh yeah, you know he's connected with Jared C. Hey, by the way, Pipe, how was your time with Trogues on Only the Good Stuff? Give give us give us like a one minute like uh, you know synopsis on that. Um. It was it was fun. It's a it's an interesting format for a podcast because it's unlike this one where we like to poke fun at things. He it's like a no complaining podcast, which I mm. think he was I think he brought me on mainly to see if I could do it. 
You know, uh-huh. can, could I talk for 35 minutes without being negative? And I, I'm, I think I more or less pulled it off because I actually do enjoy lots of things. Um, and I think it's kind of a cool concept to just basically talk about things that you recommend, but not like sales pitches, just like this is a – this is a yeah. thing that I've been enjoying. So I talked about like jazz music and uh, show Baraka's latest album, The Narrative and humor and some different things that I'm like, these are things that I just really enjoy. And so uh, it, I thought it went well. And he's he's a good host in that way because he didn't uh, he didn't like over talk or over insert himself the way some hosts might in that situation. So all in all, I thought it was pretty good. And I'm interested to see how long he can carry this one out because, I mean, he's been going for like a solid two months at this point, which is amazing. Yeah, it's him. out of control, man. Yeah, he's like on a 10-year it's run. Like he, it's like he's turned a gears. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, enough about Trogues, boys. Let's talk about uh, – <laughs> Let's talk about another huge bloated media event. Yes. Um, that is the Oscars. And um, I, I don't know. It's not going to come as a surprise to anyone that, that I don't care about the Oscars and I haven't watched it in years. Um, Pipe, I don't think you watched it either. Big R, you watched half of it, which means that you got through the first seven hours of it um, and then you and then you clicked away. Um, it's cool. Let me, let me ask something real quick, Ted. So you're, you, yeah. you like movies. Like you, I love, movies. we've talked movies. Love. We talked film. Like you, this is yeah. the thing you have taught on. You've written about yeah. you. You thoroughly yeah. enjoy and engage the medium of film, oh, uh, yeah. but you don't give a rat's behind about the Oscars. And I think mm-hmm. that, that maybe, uh, seems a little at odds with one another. So, so suss that out for us. No, I appreciate that, Pipe. That's a good question. You know, it's funny, man. I think – no, I know. Years ago, we used to watch the Oscars religiously. And it was when we were young. It was when we were, like, in our 20s and we were dreaming a lot. And, like, you know, I was writing, like, screenplays on the side and and kind of dreaming about having them made. And, and, you know, we were in that headspace where it was really, like, a lot of fun energy to sort of watch these people – you know, uh, getting getting dressed up in their finery and uh, and and kind of worshiping one another on uh, on on the red carpet and on the Oscars and um, I don't know what happened. I, I think whether it was just getting older or having kids or getting some perspective or or what, but I don't know. Several years ago, I just stopped caring, and it just the the whole thing became a really boring kind of self parody. In much the same way that, that the Super Bowl is becoming, and even though I love football, and I, I love football more than I love films, to be honest, um, I, I kind of get the same feeling with the Super Bowl. You know, it's so just it's like it's less about the thing that it's supposed to be about, and it's much it's more less about the, the thing that it's supposed stuff. to be about. Exactly. Like I'd rather spend you know two hours just watching a film than watching a a, a goofy you know overproduced joke of a of an event about films. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. And and I think and you guys you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Push back on this, but hang on, I was taking a drink. We're all uh, we're all creative people. Um we're all authors, we've all done books, Ronnie's done music stuff, I've done movie stuff. Like I think the more creative stuff you do, the more you realize that awards don't mean anything. Um <laughs> I, I think we've probably yes. we've probably all won awards for things that we weren't all that excited about and we've probably lost awards for things that we thought were way better. And at the end of the day, like, am I excited when I get an award? Sure. But do I put a whole lot of stock in it? And do I think it means a whole lot? Like, 
not really. So, and if you know, it, and, if, idea, and if awards had any bearing on commercial success, you might feel differently about that, but they don't. Yeah, no, they really don't, man. They really, really don't. Case in point, like a picture won best picture, and nobody's seen it, and nobody will see it. And you know that happens every other year, it seems like. So, you know, it, it just to me doesn't mean a whole lot, but yet there's always a little bit of buzz about it. Um, Big R, there was a, there was a situation with. Uh, the best picture announcement, and uh, and you you watched you kind of watched this unfold. So, uh, what are your thoughts on it, baby? Yeah, I mean, like you said, man, I didn't get I didn't get very far. You know, I think I got to best supporting actor actress Viola Davis. I think that's as far as I got when she won it for that was when you, that was when you ran out of groceries and uh, <laughs> and your generator burned out, and I mean, because it had been going for thirty two straight hours at that point. Yeah, seriously, that's when I had finished like my ninth pint of ice cream. There was nothing left in the freezer, and uh, you know the, all the all that uh, you know all, all my good humor bars that that our listeners have been sending the last month ran out, and so I was done at that mm. point because mm. I'm not just going to sit there without anything to eat, you know. Um, but I just thought, um, I don't know, you know, I, I there it's it's one of these things, right, where you look like you you kind of, you're looking at something that you you completely have no connection with. And you're looking at all of these people who are just in this industry, which is a closed industry, and they're all just enjoying each other. They're enjoying their own success. They're reveling in their own accomplishments and achievements. Mm. And it's almost like this thing where we're like standing back, like looking into this like, you know, this bubble of which we like cannot penetrate or get into. We are locked the whole outside thing is, the cocktail party. We're literally, it's literally what it is. And there's a part of me that just thinks like, why like why why would i do this you know i'm mean, like i enjoy some of the movies i want to see the movies i appreciate the you know i appreciate the artistic element of some of the movies that were even you know nominated and uh, the stories behind them i like all of that but to watch like the utter you know just uh like like the glee and like the avarice and the greed you know <laughs> on the faces of the people there that are just reveling in all of the praise and adulation i guess maybe it like hits a nerve with me because i realize how close i am to some of those things and some of those tendencies and you just see it like unabated like when you watch the oscars and i'm not trying to do commentary here but i just i almost find it fascinating as much as i find it just like you almost like start getting sick to your stomach you know as you're watching Dude, you really do that's a really great point i i think everything you're saying is so true man and and so spot on in terms of how we feel about it um pipe did you ever watch the oscars did you ever have a, a history with this production uh, i mean i've i i tried to watch it with some friends maybe 10 15 years ago when i was in probably college age and uh <clears throat> Even then, when I when I really like, I watched tons of movies because uh, I had I had time to do it then, and mm. and so I was familiar with all the films, and I just was like, I just yeah, I, I couldn't care. And even then, uh, it was it was much less of a show. Now you have entire like websites and shows devoted to the red carpet, you know, who wore it better, and breaking down people's outfits, and like the first question they ask every actress is, who are you wearing, and which is a really strange question, both grammatically as well as as just the implications of it. You know, so the, there's this whole thing about how women shouldn't be sex objects, but then what we're focusing on is who wore it better and and mm. wh you know how much that gown costs and how flattering it is and and it's just <laughs> everything about this is this sort of 
mixed message because they're all they're all uh, politically left, which means they're all about the poor people. While they stand up there in eight thousand dollar gowns uh, and live, you know, up on the hillside in Los Angeles, overlooking the ocean, and it's just this. It's this strange pile pipe, of I can't take you seriously. You. I don't know what- What's yeah, that? That's yeah, a series of contradictions. Yeah. I mean, the whole night is a series of contradictions. And, I mean, and then yeah. at the very base of it, the awards, the movies that usually win awards are movies that uh, are not that fun. Like, I like part of the reason the Grammys is a fun show is because they play music that's fun. Like, even the pop music that I don't enjoy, I'm like, well, at least it's commercially successful. So a lot of people like it. You know, when, it, when an arty art house type of film wins, it's like nine people care. And the rest mm. of us feel like it's it's like the tur- it's like the snob turning up the nose and being like, oh, you haven't heard of that film? No, I haven't. Do you know why? Because nobody cares. That's why. Can 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 like can the Marvel movies win an award for finding a way to get tens of millions of people to watch <laughs> them? I feel like that's worthy of some notoriety. True. True. Boys, we we have one more item to get to uh, while we still have a few minutes left, and that is uh, it's a big news item, and we do we do breaking news on this on this program. Um, it's a big item, and that is that Tim Keller is stepping down uh, as pastor uh, at at Redeemer. And Big R, you broke this news to the group. Should we give I'd this not- a moment of silence? I feel like this deserves a moment of silence from three white reform dudes. Absolutely. Because give it a good 60 seconds, boys, which yeah, is as white zero commentary. You need to recognize this. So I'm going to I'm going to give us a moment of silence. OK, go by 60 seconds. I mean, point six seconds. Big R, you're still talking here. Go. OK, now I want. Wow, I want, that was painful. Oof. I know. I'm, I know. I want each of you to. Guys, I forget how to talk now. That was so long. Well, you're going to have to talk, baby, because I'm asking you how, how – what was going through your mind during that moment of silence as you reflect on whether or not Christianity will survive without Timmy K? Well, I mean, Big Is T, he I leaving he Christianity? Just, that's the No, question. he's not leaving Christianity. Okay. Let's be clear. This isn't oh. a Rachel the Held Evans moment. This is, uh, <laughs> he's not Michael Gungor the older. He's not Michael Gungoring all over the place. Yeah, I, I think uh, – I think that's the question. I think the jury's out on that. I mean, are, are we, are, you know, are we, is, will there be a reformed community? What's going to happen to the gospel coalition? Is, is Redeemer Church going to survive? Are we going to have a podcast this time next week? I think those are the kind of questions that we need to seriously consider because uh, this has implications, boys. Let's, let's, not make, let's not make light of that, who is, shall we? Who is going to convince church planters that it's cool to plant churches? In the city, most you know, yeah, more specifically, yeah. yeah, like in in these cool urban yeah. centers where everybody already wants to live. I don't understand who's going to convince <laughs> yeah. church planners that that's I, the place to go. Who's going to want to live in New York now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, what does New York have going for it anymore? Just urban I mean, people are moving everywhere. out by their droves yes. right now already. They're just Dude, they're like, literally. This city stinks. You know, there's nothing to do here. <laughs> Get ready. No, I mean seriously though. So, okay, way. let's turn the corner. But um. No, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. Um, I, I know some guys that are that are tight with TK, and uh, and uh, so I. So would I, you I feel say like he's I, a friend of a friend? Yeah, kind of a friend of a friend. So I kind of knew this was coming because I'd sort of heard some of the uh, you know the the underground rumors of it breaking soon, and uh, I don't know. I think um, I I do always find it really uh, interesting that because we live in sort of the media you know, social media saturated culture that we're all, that we're all living in that, you know, um, 
you know, something like that can even kind of alarm us. Like, oh no, TK is, uh, you know, Timmy K is stepping down. Even though at the same time, like none of us live in Manhattan. He's not any of our pastor. None of us attend Redeemer. And yet, like, there, there's something, there's almost like a little bit of like an alarm that goes, that and goes off in like everybody. 70. You know? like yeah, and he's like up there. He's ready he's, to retire. He's, he's ready to step down. You know? I mean, I, I, how many, I, I'm sure every person who has been around the ministry has said, has seen a pastor and went, that guy held on too long. Absolutely. And then Keller steps down and we're like, what are we going to do? Well, he's probably doing a healthy thing. Why don't we give him a high five and wish him well? I mean, absolutely. I mean, now he can start writing, you know, who made the comment now, now he can start writing five or 10 books a week and just uh, get on a little more rigorous release schedule. Know, poor, you know? yeah, poor guy hasn't been able to publish anything. I hope he can, uh, I hope he can find some time now. <laughs> yeah. And you know, also this is what he's doing too. I mean, here's a positive, right? So one of the big things is that he's trending away from, uh, from mega churching, right? So like, instead of being like the multi-site, all of his different sites now are going to become like their own separate smaller churches. So he's uh, he's kind of going back to like his you know sort of more like a like a, a small town but in a big city kind of a model. And um, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be cool. I mean, honestly, you guys, I, I think Timmy, with all due respect to you and your pedigree, uh, uh, Barnabas P. I think uh, <laughs> I think Timmy K. I mean, I I think you know he's like he's really. Um, I feel like he's really like the uh, the the, the C.S. Lewis of our uh, of our day. I think he's really like the uh, you know he really is like the the Martin Luther of our. I think we're gonna look back and, and like we're we're gonna be a, people are gonna be amazed uh, of the things that he wrote and the things that he accomplished and mm-hmm. just the influence that that he had. I mean, it was it's so unique. Like he offered something so unique to Christianity. I mean, again, he's just taken everything C.S. Lewis has ever written and basically sussed it out and contextualized yeah. it for like our day. I mean, that's really what he's done, but he's done it so articulately and brilliantly. Um, we probably just don't really even understand like the, uh, the, the, the impact of it because we're in the middle of it. You know, we've lived through it, but I mean, certainly he's uh, man, he's just done something unlike yeah. anybody else. Well, I think in terms of, in terms of living authors, he's probably had as much or more uh, impact on me or his writings have than anybody else. The the thing that struck me about this is the is the it, it, it seemed to engender fear in a lot of people that he was stepping down and it made me wonder like what what are people hanging their hopes on? I don't exactly. totally understand the response of fear. Like my response when I saw this was, huh, good you know good for him I guess. Like it, it just it didn't feel like my business. It felt like something notable, but at the same time it was just like. I, I, he's still Tim Keller. He's still going to write books that are helpful. He's still going to be a cultural commentator. He's still going to be a theologian. And uh, and he's going to work at a seminary where he can train other people to be pastors. I, that doesn't sound like a, a step down in any way, shape, or form. I just I, – I didn't get the the frantic response to it. And it – you know, tying back into our conversation about the Oscars, it just felt like we, we almost have an – a ne- there's this necessity to make a spectacle out of things that are not spectacle worthy. Like this is worthy of going, boy, I hope that goes well for him. And that's about it. Yeah. Like a faithful, like let's celebrate like a faithful dude, 
you know, no real, no scandals, no yeah. controversy, you know, like just a dude that's been staying the course. He's done a lot. He's going to continue to do a lot. And by the way, man, you know, whenever somebody steps aside, they just, man, they clear, you know, they clear the path for somebody else. Like who is going to be the next guy to, 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 you know, to come, you know, to come behind him and uh, have that kind of an influence. That's kind of what I'm interested in. Right. So if, so if Timmy K is like, was, was the next generation CS Lewis, who's going to be the next generation's Timmy K. Like I find that like super interesting. Do you think um, that do you think that part of the reason people are afraid is because so you get like Tim Keller and my dad who are both about the same age, you know, the yeah. late 60s, early 70s, both of them step away from the pastor within a couple years of each other uh, in, a, in a healthy way. You know, they're they're moving on to their sort of what they would probably consider their last chapter of ministry. But people who are influenced by them feel like they're losing a figurehead or a father figure. Is that, is that part of it? Cause I obviously have a different perspective on this cause, uh, <laughs> because I actually have a father figure who is one of those guys. So <laughs> I'm just, is, is that part of it? People feel like they're losing their, their mentor or their father figure or something along those lines. Yeah, I think it's change, you know, and I think we, we buck against change, but even though, you know, Again, the the only connection most of us have with with TK is is either you know listening to a podcast or reading one of his books, and uh, that's the only that's the only connection we're ever going to you know t- the only tangible physical connection we're ever going to have with him, and um, yeah, I think it's just a letting go. It's you know it's it's the letting go of an era, you know because it, because what it indicates is that he doesn't have much time left. And when you've been in, when you've been, when you've had the level of influence he's had, I think it just unravels people. It reminds everybody of their, uh, of their mortality, you know, because he's been such an influential dude, as has your dad. And it's like, okay, so what does that mean? Who's next? And who's the next guy that we have to uh, start putting our trust and reliance in? I think it speaks into a little bit of, of idolatry, even, yes. and all those types that, of things. That, and there's question, no doubt. You, that yeah. question you just asked, like, it, it turns my stomach. Because it, mm-hmm. who is the next guy we should be putting our trust in? And I just want to go, nobody. Don't trust right. anybody. Right. Not that right. way. Right, but, anyway. but is it not true, though? That's, that's really the way that we, you know, we attach ourselves to yes. figureheads. We love it. Yeah, I mean, we, de- we define evangelicalism by eras of leadership. So this was the influencer for this stretch and then this stretch. And like, in retrospect, I think that's okay, where you can look back and go, those were the key influential voices. But in the present, it does feel a lot like, uh, like just scrambling from aisle to aisle at the at the like at the grocery store, grabbing tabloids and going, yes. who, do, who who do I need to know about next? And yeah. uh, and that kind of thing. And it's just it does feel sort of oddly, you know, it's like evangelistic or evangelical voyeurism. Well, because we've created the culture, so it is what it is, and uh, you know everybody's responsible for creating that. Until people stop being so concerned about things that, in many ways, don't concern them, um, it's just going to continue to elevate for sure. You know, Big T, uh, why don't you riff on this for a few minutes, man? What do you got? Uh, I got nothing except to say that um, my money's on KDY, man, as the next Timmy K. I'm going really I'm going yeah I'm going really going loyal man going old school so. no I'm with you no I'm totally with you I think that's valid I I wouldn't have put I, I wouldn't have put KDY in that camp but I but I but it makes sense what you're saying man suss it for a minute it's sneaky good man it's a sneaky good pick um he's not in an obvious huge media market right now so there's growth potential man there's kind of, kind of like Keller in New York not an obvious big media market Dude, the, well, that's what I'm saying. He 
KDY could be due for a move to New York. Like the the ceiling is high, is what I'm saying. Like we haven't we haven't seen we haven't seen all that KDY is capable of. KDY is kind of like a, a pipe. I'll use an NBA analogy. He's kind of like the Greek freak. You know, yes. he's playing in Milwaukee right now, but like, you know, there, there's going to be some moves that happen in that guy's career. He's not always going to be in Milwaukee. And, um, you know, he's going to end up, he's going to land in a big media market and there's going to be superstardom ahead as, for. As an aside, can you actually say the Greek freak's <laughs> name? Oh, man. Giannis. At, I think it's, I think it's Atetokounmpo, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to get yeah. that out there on the air because it's it's fun for uh, for for middle class white people to try to. Say you were going to say it's fun for Ronnie, weren't you? You were going to say it's fun for Ronnie Martin. That's what you wanted to say. I was going to say uh, it's, it's, it's fun for listeners, but I really wanted to see if Ronnie had anything to say about the name Giannis Atetokounmpo. Is that really how you pronounce it? It is. I, I feel like I that name it. shouldn't even be allowed to be named. I feel, well, it, I feel like it, somebody it, shouldn't even be allowed to have that. It name. literally wraps in a circle on the back of his jersey. It's so long, like it starts. On I was going to say all the way around. Dude, oh, he's okay. the most interesting young player in the NBA right now. Big R. He's the he's the NBA's like Matt Chandler. To, really. To, to put it in terms that you can understand. Yeah. You know what, man? And, and you know, that that's a great point, though, going back to KDY. I mean, you, you look at somebody like a Matty Chan, mm. and it's like, yeah, I mean, KDY, he, he has sort of that intellectual mind that, mm. that, that Timmy K has, you know, yeah. which a lot of these other guys, you know, they're, they're like good communicators, but they don't. They, yeah. they like don't hit the depths, and and I People think feel I think you're smarter right. when they're around Timmy K. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. You consume some Timmy K. You feel smarter. And, right. and let me be clear: I'm not just being glib. Like I love Tim Keller. I've I've loved his books, and um, yeah. it's weird. I don't I don't feel the I don't feel the weird like dad like oh what are we gonna do thing that that's just strange to me that dynamic. But uh, but Agreed. you know, um, my money's on Katie. Well, I, I I think we should put actual money on this. We should we should be wagering on this. See, but I think, who, here's my question though. Here's my question. This yeah. is where I, this is where I, I don't really see KDY yet. Okay, let me, let me qualify it with it yet. But where I don't, he, he doesn't really. How old? He how really, old was Keller when he became the pastor at Redeemer? I bet he was about the age KDY is now. Yeah, he was like forty to forty-five. Yeah, okay. So he was. Yeah, rel- that's about what KDY is, right? About forty. Yeah, right in the wheelhouse, yeah. man. Right, right in there. Somewhere. But I mean, but here's the thing, though. I don't. Yeah, and that's why I see KDY maybe making a transition. But KDY doesn't really speak into the culture that much. Mm-hmm. He's more of like a church guy. Like yeah. he, he writes books for the church. He, it's not so point. much about like convincing skeptics. Yeah, that's and, a good uh, point. So but, I don't. I don't know. I'm not. But I think. But I think KDY. I think he has the. I think he has the brain to do that. To go in that direction. But, um, but I, he he I, does he does speak a lot to sort of Christians and ethical issues and Christians and complex cultural issues like gender and same sex marriage and things like yes. that. I mean, those are things he and so culturally speaking, he's he's not a uh, he's not an apologist the way that Keller is, mm-hmm. but he he has some of that same sort of like soft spoken, even keel, methodical processing of these things from a biblical perspective, and so mm-hmm. you know. It, I, I could I can see him having a similar kind of steadily growing influence yes. uh, in that way. But right now, his his object is really still Christians understanding the issues, not really trying to convince non-believers why this makes sense. How much of that is because he's in Michigan, where uh, it's oh, dude, yeah, it's just it's a, such a different kind. I mean, he he was in the same context as like Rob Bell, and so. They're both yeah. speaking to the same kind of people from opposite sides, whereas Keller's speaking to people who are, uh, you know, completely unchurched or, or vocally non-Christian, and where intellectualism is a 
is it you have to be smart or you, or you don't get in the door kind of thing? Uh, I feel mm, like yeah. in, in a place like Michigan, it's just it's a different cultural milieu. I mean, guys, it's either going to be KDY or Francis Chan or Frankie Chan who's going to be the next TK. I mean, let's – can we just agree on that? Francis Chan is going to be like the next Henry Nowen. <laughs> <laughs> Frankie Chan's too ethereal. He's too mysterious, you know? Yeah, he um, is, man. I don't know. I don't know. Boys. Let's do – you know, let, hold on. Before you finish, let's just tell our listeners. I want to do an app just riffing on all the current A-listers and who, who they might be someday. Dude, let's, Big let's, R, you're so funny about this, man. You love this stuff. You're like, you're like Mel Kiper Jr. at draft time. Yes. you love speculating about who's going to. No, 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 no. And your I, hair I is almost I, as good. I love yeah. lifestyle, right? So, like, well, you just made that comment a little while ago, Pipe, about the red carpet. I prefer the red carpet to the awards because that's where you get like a little snapshot into their life and hear them speak when you know when they're not trying to like thank everybody and like you know do the do do the corporate professional because thing. I, I like I like so, lifestyle. They're stuff. so vulnerable and honest on the red carpet. <laughs> you know they, they everything are. about I mean, somebody when they're in a, life, they're in a yeah. You get to see the real Denzel down. on the red yeah. carpet. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hi, I'm a Big walking RPC billboard. Dude. I'm going to authentically tell my story to you. <laughs> we need a red carpet for for all these A-listers that you're referring to. That's what I'm talking about. Let's do oh, the red we, carpet. Yes. Yeah. Can you imagine all these guys in tailored tuxes? Ooh, I like it. That the like problem it. is, I mean, is that I can. No, oh, I, I can't. I can't imagine my dad in anything besides the same tweed jacket he's worn for the last 27 years. Didn't Drisky so, buy him a different jacket, man? Has he never put that thing on, Pipe? Uh, well, he was he was given a black leather jacket at one point. I don't remember oh my who. goodness. And he uh, he showed it to me, said, frankly, I'll never wear this, and then hug it in his closet. And I just <laughs> wished that uh, I was not seven inches taller than him because I totally would have taken it off his hands. But That's no, really he funny. when he wears clothes out, he buys the exact same thing again. So That's outstanding. the jacket that he yeah, has I, now I is not the exact him. same jacket, but it's the same model of jacket. So yeah, yeah, he. It's hard to imagine my dad in a uh, in a tailored tux. Here's my question: Why is there not a red carpet at these big reformed conferences that we all sort of worship at the? There feast essentially of- is big T. It's called a pre-conference. <laughs> no, it's a pre-conference. I don't go to these things, so I don't. Pre-conference know. I don't know. is is it's the red. It's like, can we just can we get everybody there even a day early to talk about the same stuff we're going to talk about? You know, and charge attendees a hundred dollars more. In charge more. Like, is everybody like kind of groveling around the famous people at that point? Is that is that the pre-conf? Isn't that it's a every, little more like? Isn't that every part of every conference? Yeah. I mean, it's a little more like the little people can do something a little smaller and get a little bit closer. You can get to the same the room A-listers. with these guys. You can get into a smaller room with them. That's all nice. it is. Wow, yeah. that's a that sounds amazing. Oh, the, it's I think like, I think the real reason there's not a red carpet is because uh, partly because they're not very attractive, and partly because. Uh, fame only exists online if you're a pastor. It's the true. fact that these guys aren't attractive, that just makes it funnier, though. I just I don't understand that. that. Yeah, the lack of, man, the, the amount of khakis, the amount of, like, the polo shirts. I just, like, I'm astounded. You know, I'm astounded by the lack of any sort of, like, progressive fashion at any of these conferences at this point. No, I, I find think, are, you gotta, uh, here's the thing, though. I mean, all these hipster church planning pastors, they're bringing progressive fashion into this. They thing. are. We're going to see but, a bunch of skinny fitted suits and skinny ties and all that. All but that those guys never rise nonsense. to the top. All of the no, speakers they are like yet, from 20 years from now. right? Because they're insufferable is the problem. So, <laughs> you know, that's the one thing. I think the one thing keeping them from rising to the top pipe, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the fact that they're completely and utterly insufferable. <laughs> 
Other than that, I mean, there's nothing keeping them. Other down. than that, they're great guys. Other than that, they're terrific guys. <laughs> terrific. <laughs> yeah, they're they're so they're so uh, they're so relevant. They're kind of irrelevant. Right, they're so relevant that that you can't stand being in the same room with them for more than a couple of minutes. Baby, they're so irrelevant they don't even know it. They don't even know how relevant they are. Um, here, here's my final word on this. I would like to see this. I want to see. I want to see a red carpet situation with these pastors. Except, I want. I want khaki tuxes. <laughs> I want tuxes that are made tweed out of khaki. tuxes. <laughs> khaki or tweed tuxes is kind of an homage to like what what these guys are all about. You know what I mean? Yes, I yeah. I think I think a tweed a tweed tux or like a tweed jacket with uh, with tailored like navy blue uh, slacks, something Ooh. along those lines. But 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 mm. with a tux flare to it, maybe maybe like a uh, maybe like a a wool cummerbund that sort of looks like a sweater vest, something mm. along those lines. Yeah, but dude, that's that's as good as it's ever going to get because at the end of the day, we're talking about nerdist culture within like reformanati culture i mean that's what it is did you come like, up these with the dudes? term reformanati because if so i'd like to congratulate you because that's a great word that was me and big t on our former our, our former program do you want to do you want to mention the former program really quick big t yeah it was uh it was called uh what was it called the reformatory yes and uh yeah we we came up with this term the reformanati so we've been using that for a long time i like it uh, i haven't heard I like that before too. how has it not come up on this podcast because like this i don't is, know I th- this is our wheelhouse <laughs> Yeah, it is our wheelhouse. It should have come up. I'm, I feel I feel terrible that it didn't. Well, well let's I, just let's re let's rebrand it. Yeah, let's bring it back out. I'm not, not offended. I'm just glad it came up when it did because now we you know we it's it's fuel to keep all of this rolling. I'm I'm really thankful for it. Good job. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, boys, we have uh, we've certainly done what we always do on this program. We've wandered to and fro throughout these topics. I feel like we're off the schneid. We're back. We're back on the horse. I'm back emotionally. It's good to have you back, Big T. Oh, thank you so much, guys. And uh, I've enjoyed this. And until next time, Rachel to hell. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. Resonate has helped us with our editing and mastering pretty much from the beginning of the podcast. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Mark and Jake do a fantastic and timely job with all sorts of podcast services. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.